It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. My guest is no stranger to Las Vegas, performing here on occasion as part of the Howard Stern radio show and also as a stand-up in his own right. He's Jackie the Joke Man Martling, who for 18 years was a fixture of Howard Stern's radio and television shows and for seven years had his own radio show, Jackie's Joke Hunt, on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. For everything about Jackie, go to jokeland.com and you can follow him on Twitter at Jackie Martlin. And Jackie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ira. Thank you. Ira, man, talking to a guy named Ira, I feel like uh, I'm on Long Island. <laughs> that's exactly. Ira. <laughs> Every time I do a Jewish joke, that it's Ira or Bernie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what's the most impressive thing about you, Jackie? Is you still have that joke line, and I. It's and let me give it out because people should know about what it is. If they don't know, it's five one six nine two two wine has been in operation since nineteen seventy nine. Five one six nine two two nine four six three. When we started doing comedy on Long Island, there were no shows. And me and another guy put on a show in a restaurant owned by Jerry Cooney, the boxer's brother. And we needed to get the word out. And we had no money, so I said, "Why don't I get a phone line and put some of my jokes on it?" And it has been around for. Uh, I, th I guess it's now 42 years. It's Amazing. down to one line in my house, but at one point it was 10. I was already getting thousands of calls, and then Rick Dees put it on his uh, morning radio show in Los Angeles, which was number one, and then he syndicated around the country. I don't know if you're old enough, but in the old days, syndicated radio, they had like the top 10 hits of the week. Right. And they, he actually would introduce the top 10, or I guess it was the top 40, and he would record his intros and outros and the songs on like three or four actual LPs, actual like, you know, wax discs and send them to all the different markets. And he used to tell his entire audience, his national audience, that 516-922-9463 was Tom Selleck's home phone number. <laughs> <laughs> so the line went crazy. And Nick Deese is the guy who named me Jackie the Joke Man. Is that crazy? And what's amazing is you're still using the same answering machine. Absolutely. Yes. i got to save a bucket. You know what? It's funny because if you call, you hear me exactly the way you heard me in 1979. Hello, this is Jackie the Joke Man. You know how much I love it when you use your finger and dial 516-922-WINE. And nowadays I say free jokes for the universe since 1979. <laughs> now before we get to Las Vegas, one more thing about the joke line. And I have a theory. Here's what it is, Jackie, and you're going to love it. I have a feeling that you are stocking up separately and putting it to the side a bunch of stuff for the joke line. So when the time comes for you to leave us, that joke line will continue on for decades. That, well, number one, I'm not going anywhere. And number two, I used, I used to change it every day, but now I only change it once in a blue moon. But uh, that joke line, that's going to be in my will. Anybody who wants any of my money, 
Uh, if they can find any, they got to keep the joke line going. <laughs> what, you what, know, <laughs> I, now, what do you do? Are you a show business guy, a media guy? Uh, yes, I'm all of that and more. Yes, all I'm, right, a, I'm so a Renaissance man, Jackie. And how way. old are you? <laughs> I never reveal my age because I'm timeless. But I will know everything that you talk about. So go right ahead. All right. So a million years ago, <laughs> when they first went to cable, there were two comedy networks. Right. There, there was one called Ha, and I think the other was called the Comedy Channel. And they eventually merged, of course. Um, but back in those days, like the cooking shows, the comedy, uh, I mean, the cooking channels, the comedy channels, they had no programming. The Playboy channel. So anything they got, they used over and over and over and over. And the comedy channel, or Ha, I think it was, had a show called Short Attention Span Theater. And it was like a 15-minute show, and they'd have guests. And I went on with a guy named Joe Bolster, a very, very funny comic. Uh, unfortunately, way back when, he was best known for being the guy who went totally blank on Star Search for 25 seconds. He That's just got time. lost, yeah. and he was long like, time. and he just, it, it, it's, it's painful to watch. But he's Wait so a minute, Jackie, funny, Jackie, so did that ever happen to you where you totally just lost something? Uh, no, no, except when I just started talking to you. Oh, I yeah, that, happen, that happens with everybody. That's so no Joe problem. Bolster's uh, talking to me, <laughs> and I'm promoting right. my 516922 wine, and the comedy people chiron that on the bottom of the screen while I was getting interviewed by Joe for 15 minutes. Only instead of 516, they used 800. <laughs> now, if you're old enough to remember when they first made 800 numbers, if you got an 800 number, you paid every time someone called you. Correct. Because it was to, you know, to promote your business. Right. They, so the person could, a the person, or a dime or a penny, whatever you, you it was. You, you don't mind if I jump in once every five minutes or so, right? No, no, I'm sorry. Oh, that's right. right. No, this no, is, a, this is a tough thing to swallow. But No, but here's the thing. People that would use the 800 number, they would call toll-free, but the person who owned the 800 number would have to pay per call. Yeah, that, that's, that's the whole point of this crazy story. That's the way it was back then, because it was a free call, so of course you'd call to order something or to find out about stuff. So they put me on the show, and they chironed 1-800-922-WINE, and I got home, and my wife said, holy Christ, Jackie, there's a guy who called up. She wasn't even my wife yet. Is a guy went nuts on me, and I called the guy back. He was a guy who owned in California. He owned a, a rainy weather gear store, and his number for his store was one eight hundred nine two two wind W I N D, which is the same number. And he got a zillion phone calls. And not only did he go berserk and scream at me, I told them that it wasn't in my control. They made a mistake. And you know, radio and TV, nobody, there's not enough, there's so much work anyway, calling that channel and saying, listen, you have to change the Chiron on my interview. There's no way anybody's going to do that. And they, they replayed it 30 times. <laughs> so every time it played, the guy got a million calls. I just, I just think that's such a great story about 9221. I wonder if that guy killed himself. I don't know. Right but now you can talk. And I'm okay. sorry, Ira. That's I'm, right. like, I'm a jabberwocky. No, no, that's fine. But I understand to this day you have a closet full of rainy gear. Is that true? No, I, uh, but I did get a uh, 
a Molotov cocktail in them. You know, <laughs> oh yeah, I should have done that. Hey man, how about the, how about a free raincoat since we're now, friends now? <laughs> before we get into Las Vegas, one more thing about you that I like. Well, there's two things. Okay, first of all, I think you should also have the chuckle immortalized so that after you're long gone. 40 years from now, because you're going to be around for a long time, but the chuckle remains forever in the, in the zygist, you know? It's just out there. I like that. I like that, you know? It's funny, you know, people, like, if I'm in line at the bank, people might turn around and, and they might not recognize me anymore, but they certainly recognize my laugh. You know? <laughs> that's great. Well, listen, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's a great no, way to go. No, 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 I mean, people, back before we were on the E-show and people hardly knew what we looked like, People would go, I don't know if it's you, but you sure sound like that guy that's laughing on the Howard Stern show. Exactly. You know? you know how I know you're East Coast, Jackie? Because even on, on the phone line that we're doing right now on the interview, you're yelling. Oh, uh, you know, uh, please. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like my grandmother. I got to talk loud. You're in California. <laughs> I'm in Nevada, actually. Oh, Las, oh, Las whatever, Vegas is whatever, Nevada. Whatever, yeah, whatever, okay, whatever. fine. Now, <laughs> one more thing, and we will get to Las Vegas, but one more thing. Here's my impression of you that I, now I'm not going to do an impression of you. I'm not Rich Little, but the point is, you always have struck me as one of those guys in show business, and you've had a long career, but that you have been non-cynical. You come across as non-cynical, while so many people who are in the business become cynical. <clears throat> Am I close or off or what? You know, you are, you're absolutely right. I'm no more cynical about the world and life than ever. I, uh, I was always relatively optimistic, but, but we aren't all all the time. You know, it's funny. They did a documentary on me, and I said, listen, I've been the same guy when I was rich, when I was poor, when I was famous, when I wasn't. I'm happy half the time and miserable half the time. And uh, that's just, and you just accept that, of course, except for the times when you're miserable. <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> but yeah, you know, the truth of it is, Ira, I wasn't a comedian. Most comics are depressed, crazy people. And I guess I, I am to a degree, but I'm not a comic. I tell jokes. And I've been telling these jokes since I was knee-high to a grasshopper. I mean, they were innate in me. I've been telling them at, jar, at bars and parties. My entire life, by the 70s, I knew every joke in the world, and then all of a sudden I just transferred to doing them on stage. You know, at first I had a bad rap. People say, oh, that guy from Long Island, he tells old jokes, you know, and, and then, of course, finally they work with me and they meet me and they're like, holy Christ, that guy's the funniest guy we ever met, you know, because that's just, that's what I choose to do is tell jokes, you know, like Rodney, you know, you get to the meat of what you're doing. You know, who cares how big my apartment is or that my mother-in-law's an idiot? You know, what she do that was funny, you know. Well, it's clear, too, that you're comfortable because you would have gone in a couple other different directions with, with humor or comedy if you, if you chose to, but you're comfortable in the milieu that you've picked, and that's part of what your, I think, what your charm is, is that you don't apologize for it. You are who you are. Yeah, you know, and I am who I am, and people say, well, that's great, you're stuck to your guns, and, and the truth is, I'm not sure I had a choice. You know, I mean, I'm going to tell the, I was going to tell these jokes, you know, if somebody cut my mouth out, I'd be doing, you know, making hand signals. It's just, it's just by my nature. You know what I mean? If I'm not, if I'm not on stage telling jokes, I'm telling jokes to the guy at the delicatessen. It's just, you know, I'm, it's a source of embarrassment sometimes to my friends, you know, but uh, I was always the last guy standing. You know what I mean? At sure. the bar, at the party, you got a joke, he's got a joke, I got a joke. But you got was, a joke, he's got a joke, I got 30 jokes. Right, you know? and I think part of that comes, that goes back to what I was talking about, where I think that it's not that you have a desperate need to tell jokes, it is that that's what your nature is. 
it, it is, and, uh, you know, they just did a documentary on me, and it's really interesting because you, you can see a lot of where I came from and stuff, but it's, it's so hard to put your finger on what causes anybody to do anything. What? You know, some people have a leg up, some people don't. You know, like Lincoln starts in a log cabin, and another guy starts off with a gazillion dollars. I mean, there's, there's so many different roads, and uh, I've always said my life's like a pinball game. You know, like bing, bing, from this to this to this to this. And, you know, if something's not working, you, you know, I, when I started telling jokes on stage, after a month, I was doing better than I did the month before. And so, it just yeah. never stopped. That's called All of a sudden, I'm yeah. on the Stern Show making millions of dollars. I'm like, when the hell did this happen? You know. That's called progress. It's funny, your landline, because you're in, are you in Bayville right now? Yes, sir. Well, I could tell because I could feel, I can hear the water in the line right now just for a couple of seconds. That's interesting <laughs> on a landline. But We have a beautiful <laughs> snow out there right now. Really? Amazing. Oh, yeah, I guess it would be this time of year. Of course, yeah. There it's, you go. It's just, it's just gorgeous. We will get to Las Vegas, but I, I just have now one. Now you keep saying we'll get to Las Vegas. Well, I, who the hell cares if we get to Las Vegas? No, we, we will, because that's what the show is about. It's about Las Vegas, and I know you've performed it many times, but we're going to get to it in the second half, because I, I want to take a break. But before I do, I want to make one more comment about you, which I think is also apropos, which is you're a fairly accessible guy for a guy that's been in show business all these decades. You notice I didn't say all these years. I said all these decades. Uh, I... I, I know that, and I always have been. You know, I go on all these radio shows, and I tell people, listen, if you want to email me, just email me, jokeland at AOL.com. I have a guy that answers all my email, and that would be me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I just give out my number. I've, I've always been accessible. I get so many emails and calls. Yeah, everybody says you answer when, when people write you. Let's see if it's true, and I write back, yeah. <laughs> you know, I send him a joke, and you'd, you'd be, you know, somebody send, sends me an email and says something nice about my book. You know, I send them back unpublished chapters and dirty jokes, and you know, I've always been accessible. I've, it, since I first started, you know, I gave out books and I gave out CD, uh, not CDs, but my LPs and my cassettes, and even when we're doing uh, music in the '70s, we'd record our music and hand out the cassettes. I, I've just always been accessible, and it's always worked. I've always sent out so much stuff. But it seemed like the harder I worked and the more stuff I sent out, the more successful I got. Well, you that's, your, that, that's your formula, so it works. And by the way, you are the last man standing when it comes to still having an AOL account, just for the record. So. Uh, wait a minute. There's somebody else that was really funny. <laughs> somebody, somebody famous just emailed me, and I was like, look at that, you stupid bastard. <clears throat> I, like, you know what it is? I have jokeland at AOL.com, which is so perfect, and... You know, anything that even comes close to my name got eaten up by, you know, the minute Google hit with Gmail. Right. You know, Jokeland and Martling and, and Jackie, <laughs> you know, they all just, you know, it was like a gold rush. You know, I remember what a hassle it was for Howard to get, you know, HowardStern.com. I think he paid a fortune because people, there's people that know enough to buy the land if they know the railroad's coming through. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Well, let's take a break. My guest, Jackie, the joke man, Martling, was for 18 years a fixture of Howard Stern's radio and television shows, and for seven years had his own radio show, Jackie's Joke Hunt, on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. For everything about Jackie, go to jokeland.com, and we'll be right back. We'll be back with more Talk About Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment. 
There's something new at the Neon Museum. The emerging technology of light mapping brings old signs back to life. Forgotten artifacts of our past that once blazed in the Las Vegas night are reanimated in a dazzling immersion of sight and sound. You've never seen anything like it because there's never been anything like it. Brilliant, a Neon Museum experience. Performances nightly. Join the experience now at neonmuseum.org. Now let's get back to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Welcome back. I'm talking with Jackie, the guy that never stops talking, the joke man, Martling. If you want jokes, all you got to do is say, Alexa, play Jackie Martling, and then sit down, because the joke's going to be very fast and very dirty, and you're going to laugh your ass off. And Martling, who for 18 years was a fixture of Howard Stern's radio and television shows, and for yeah. seven years had his own radio show, Jackie's Joke Hunt, on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. And for everything about Jackie, go to jokeland.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Jackie Martland. And Jackie, what was your earliest memory of Las Vegas? Uh, when, um, in 1966, after I graduated, I told my father what I wanted for my graduation present was to be able to take the family car to Michigan State University for orientation. When you say graduated, graduated what? High school. Okay. So we get in the car and we went to Michigan State for orientation and I stole my family's car. And me and my buddy drove around the country for six weeks on so little money I can't even describe it. But one of the things we did was drive through Las Vegas. And, of course, we didn't have the money to do anything. But I'll, I never could forget the guy, howdy, partner, that big monstrous cowboy. And then years later, I couldn't believe that stupid cowboy is still there. I think he's part of the downtown thing Yeah, now. Vegas Vic, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, he has a name? That's the name, Vegas Vic, of course. I never knew the guy's name, but I, you know, I loved it. And so when I got to go back, I didn't get to go back for years, but when I went back, I was with Rodney Dangerfield when he was performing at the Aladdin with Paul Williams, and that was the biggest kick in the world. And then when I wound up going back there to perform at the Riviera, it was like three different views of Vegas, you know, driving through without the money to buy a hot dog, and then going first class with Rodney Dangerfield at the top of the food chain, and then going back myself as a headliner. You know who booked me at the Riviera was Steve Sharippa, yes. who wound up on uh, The Sopranos. Yes, and he's on Blue Bloods right now. Uh, right. You know, that, was good. That, that room, the top of the rib was so great, and in the movie Casino, that's where Sharon Stone and Robert De Niro got married. Right. And I'm looking at that saying, hey, that's my room, man. <laughs> when you were starting to perform here, what was your take on the town at that point? You know, it's, it's just fun. You know, if, I can't imagine living there, and I can't imagine being there for too long because, you know, you hit hard and hit fast. I mean, I don't drink anymore, so I don't know. Maybe it'd be different. But I got friends out there that, that live out there, and I... I just enjoyed it so much, but, but you see it in a different way. You know, like when I was out there, I was a celebrity. Like, I remember walking along, and, you know, when you're in town, you look at the magazines, and your picture's on the front page of every one of those little throwaway magazines, and you feel, you know, pretty good about yourself. And then I went back, and I worked at the South Point. Uh, Mike at the South Point is a really great guy, and we did a couple terrific shows. That, that 30 at 1230 show that Gabe puts on is really fun. 
And then I did a show with Bobby, uh, Bobby Slayton and me and Stuttering John did a show at South Point in the big room. And, you know, everybody, you know, they're all old Stern fans and old Jackie fans. And, it, you know, it's, it's just so much fun. I mean, I don't think there's another word you could use to describe Las Vegas that's not the word fun. Do you think? You know, I've, been, I've been there so many times, I don't gamble. I have never gambled. I think I spent like $20 one time sitting there playing poker at a machine <laughs> because I was waiting for a flight. Because I have a, you know, I'm a mechanical engineer. I know I'm not going to win. You know, I know if I drink a beer, I'm going to get to drink it. <laughs> you know? Exactly. <laughs> you know. I should point out, too, that here's a guy who's made a career out of comedy and writing and performing, and yet he has a degree in mechanical engineering from Michigan State University. That's, you know, that, that's just how it flew. You know, I had to choose a hard major. Because right. if I chose a simple major in college, I would have drank myself out and I would have been tossed out in three weeks. So I had to have something that was a challenge. So, I, you know, I had calculus and mechanics and atomic physics. And, you know, you could get so drunk and so stoned, but you still had to be able to put two and two together and come up with four or else you would have been out <laughs> on your ass, you know. You mentioned you don't drink anymore. I'm wondering how, in general, you approach your health now versus 10, 20 years ago? In other words, do you take vitamins? Do you work out? Do you, you eat know, healthy? I quit drinking. And after I left the show, I quit drinking because I had way too much free time. And I said, wait a minute, I cannot spend the rest of my life waiting for it to be 5 o'clock so I can start drinking. And I thought I was instantly going to get skinny and beautiful. But you don't realize that when you quit drinking, all of a sudden you realize that there's this other thing called food. <laughs> you know, yeah, and so, exactly. I got fat. so I've been up and down and up and down probably four times since I quit the Stern Show. I mean, all the way down to high school weight, and now I got the pandemic 20 on me. You know, I'm, I'm a fat cell. But, you know, I take a few vitamins, and uh, I walk a lot, you know, and, went, and during the summer... I mean, I swim before anybody else, and I swim later than anybody else. And I'm right on Long Island Sound, facing Connecticut. So I swim in the Long Island Sound really far every day, a couple times a day. I come home late at night and swim naked in the dark. And, you know, I got lights on my house. And so that, that makes it easy to stay in shape. You know, swimming is, you know, it's work, but it's, it's, it's pleasurable. Even walking is pleasurable. You know, especially well, with these stupid uh, uh, audible books. Man, I could walk to I could walk to Las Vegas with those audible <laughs> books. Though, you know. Well, what keeps you in Bayville? By the way, you you were you've been there forever. Uh, I was I was raised in East Norwich, Long Island, which is just south of Oyster Bay, and Oyster Bay is just south of Bayville, and it's the north north coast of Nassau County. On Long Island, it's the Gold Coast. It's literally called the Gold Coast. It's where the richest people in the world chose to come build their mansions because it's so incredible. And it's, it's just beautiful. You know, I mean, Billy Joel lives two miles down the road. I always tell people that Billy Joel lives two miles and 14 tax brackets away from me. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, we're on the water. we got uh, trees and plants and flowers and huge mansions, and it's just, it's just delightful. Yeah, you know, it, it's really funny because you don't realize it. I always lived here, you know, and, you know, you live where you live, and then I'll go away, and you go away to school, and then when you come home, all of a sudden you start realizing how special the place is. You know, you don't know it when you're here. 
You know, it's like there's a fish, no, it's in water, you know, but it's, uh, I got no desire to live in Florida. Like when people say, hey, we're buying a condo and moving to Florida, some people get jealous. I feel sorry for them. I mean, what are you, crazy? You know, that's like a fish moving into a goldfish bowl. You know, who, you know, it's it's just great here. Come visit me, Ira. I'll cook you a steak and take you for a swim. You'll like you died and went to heaven. I'll do it. How do you, now when you fly out to do something in another state then, how do you, do you go to New York to go to the airport there? Or where do you, how do you do that? Uh, either LaGuardia or JFK. I usually, you know, JFK has, uh, well, has, I guess LaGuardia has JetBlue more now than it used to, but JetBlue used to only be out of JFK. But, uh, like, LaGuardia is, you know, on a, on a decent day, is like 35 minutes. It's a hop, skip, and yeah, jump. Yeah, that's, that's great. JFK is, a, I got an apartment in the city, so I'd either take the train from the city, to, you know, there's a, a train to the plane, you know. Exactly. It's real simple. Even from even from Long Island, you take the train to the subway to the, to the Airbus, and it's... Um, it's very simple. It's very simple. And, and, you know, you get used to your, you know, I, it, it used to be so crazy. Uh, if I was working in Las Vegas and I headlined at the Riviera, I'd get up at 4.30 in the morning and go do the Stern Show. And then I'd have to go to the airport. But way, way back then, like in 1992, there were no direct flights to Las Vegas after 12 o'clock in the afternoon. So I had to fly to Phoenix to, to get on via, I guess it was America West, and then fly from Phoenix to Las Vegas. All right, so I'm up at 4.30. I do the show. I drive to the airport, fly to Phoenix, get in another plane, go to Las Vegas, and then my show doesn't start until 10 o'clock. But that's 1 o'clock in the morning. So I've been up since 4.30 in the morning, and my show is at 1 o'clock. And I go out and scream at people for an hour and 15 minutes. And then when I'm done, the pressure is on me to have the entire world up to my suite for a huge party. I can't t- thank God for alcohol. I don't know how the hell. <laughs> but, yeah, and they wind up being the greatest parties in the world, you know. But my God, what a what a test of human endurance, you know. Yeah, I, I don't know how you did it. Something I, I was curious about, looking at comedy or looking at your career, was there one person who was the most who had the most influence on you? Um, well, I'm not a comic. So, right, I loved because... Red Fox and I loved Henny Youngman because they told jokes. Right. And somebody who really had a lot of influence on me was Red Skelton. My mother used to sit and watch me watch Red Skelton. Because the way that guy carried on and just giggled and had the time of his life and went off script and made the people, he just was so much fun. And what's really crazy is years later you read about Red Skelton, and he was absolutely petrified to go on stage. He used to throw up. They had to push him out on stage. And the minute he got on stage, there was nobody in the world that looked like they were having a better time. Show business is so crazy. But I would watch him laugh, and I and I just always laughed at my own jokes. But I wasn't a guy that, you know, listened to George Carlin and Bart Robert Klein and Shelley Berman. I mean, you get those albums or borrow them, and you listen to them one time through. You know, there's guys that used to study them. There were guys that could do the Bill Cosby album and the Richard Pryor album word for word. But not, you know, like I loved Robert Klein, but I listened to his record once and then threw it in the closet, you know. When Eddie Murphy started, what his act was word for word a Richard Pryor album. He was just 
doing Richard Pryor. And then he started doing Richard Pryor only with stuff that Eddie Murphy would say. <laughs> but your del- I guess it worked. But you your, your delivery is not necessarily, I guess my point is your delivery is not copied from anybody. Red Skelton inspired you, but you, you're, you're kind of your own guy. Yeah, you know, I, because, I, you know, the, the, if you want to be a comedian, there's two cardinal rules. You don't tell old jokes and you don't laugh at yourself. And those are the only two things that I do, you know, which is crazy. Seems to have worked. <laughs> it, it, I don't know. But I was at the comic strip in Fort Lauderdale in the early 80s with a couple guys, Bill McCarty and, uh, and Mitchell Walters and Adam Leslie. A couple guys have passed away. And we're sitting there, and it was so long ago that there was actually a television in the comedy condo. And we were watching Red Skelton's 75th birthday on HBO. And he's standing at a microphone, you know, Mike's in on, in, on a stand, and he's standing at the microphone telling jokes and laughing and giggling and swinging his arms. And all of a sudden, the guys looked over and they said, Martling, that's you. <laughs> and it really was. I mean, not consciously, because, of course, on TV, you never saw the guy standing at a microphone doing his act. But here's a guy just standing on stage, talking into the microphone, and he couldn't have been more tickled. Just like me, he could have done it in an elevator with nobody in there and had just <laughs> much fun, you know. <laughs> hey, before I let you go, when is the documentary coming out? We don't know because we wanted to release it at film festivals so we could go around and do a Q&A. Uh, we got so many opportunities and so many bites, but, you know, we don't want to launch it into the wind because we got so much feedback. I mean, I got Willie Nelson and Penn Gillette and Artie Lang, and uh, Mark Cuban. I mean, a, a whole cast of characters in this thing. You, you know, I'll tell you, I told you I had something to celebrate. As of yesterday, I've got five new things on Amazon Music. They're like phone calls with, with packed with dirty jokes. They're about 10 or 12 or 15 minutes long each. And they're so great. It's so exciting to say, Alexa, Play Burn, Baby, Burn by Jackie Martling. <laughs> Alexa, play The European Vacation by Jackie Martling. And all of a sudden, and now playing <laughs> European Vacation by Jackie Martling on Amazon Music Unlimited. And, oh, God, it's just exciting. I tell you, Iris. Well, no, I appreciate that. And I got like 95 of those calls. So, you know, when I get done with you, that's one of the things I'm doing <laughs> is putting those calls together. Well, that's a great way to end it. My guest has been Jackie the Joke Man Martling. He, for 18 years, was a fixture of Howard Stern's radio and television shows. For seven years, had his own radio show, Jackie's Joke Hunt, on Sirius XM Satellite Radio for everything about Jackie. Go to Jokeland.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Jackie Martlin. And also, don't forget Cameo. He'll do a personal one for you on Cameo. You know, those things are great. I'm making a lot of money. Cameo.com slash Jackie Martling. Now I want everybody to go to the South Point and yell at Mike to bring me back as soon as it's set. <laughs> uh, hey, Jackie, thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. We'll do it again. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Yeah.